evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow, Slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name's Joe Toscano. I'm hosting today's program. And if you want a really exciting program, well, keep listening to us. Now, there's a few things happening in life, and uh, you may have to move down to Melbourne because nobody's told us what's happening in the rest of the country. So if you've got something you want to us to... Uh, kind of talk about on the Anarchist World this week, you've got, you got something going, some type of activity going, well then, give us a buzz. Give us a buzz. Now, the West Papuan Independent Movement will be commemorating the Biak Massacre at the Brunswick Town Hall on the, the 6th of July. That's right, the 6th of July. Now we're having currently we're having major problems with the West Papuan Rent Collective. Major issues. Now everybody thinks that things will go on forever. Well things don't go on forever in life. We need new members for the West Papuan Rent Collective and we need them relatively quickly. Now, the office has been established for over three years. It is a pivotal uh, asset for the West Papua independent struggle, not just in Australia, but around the world as they gain continuing support among nation states around the world for their independence struggle. And here in Melbourne, we've been privileged, and the key word is privileged, to be able to assist to pay the rent for the office. It's situated at 200, a suite 211, 838 Collins Street, Docklands. Now, to become a member of the Rent Collective is very simple. It's exceptionally simple. All you've got to do is donate a dollar a day. There's a bank account you can put your money in. Uh, it's better than wasting it on Uber. It's better than wasting it on, you know, some disgusting takeaway food. It's better than wasting it on cigarettes. And if you've got a drug habit, this is a good way to knock over your drug habit and actually uh, do something positive for the rest of the community. So if you wish to join the West Papuan Rent Collective, give me a call. I'll pass on the banking details. You can do it anonymously. You can pay $365 up front on a yearly basis. You can pay $30 
a month, or if you're crazy, you can go to the bank every day and put in a dollar. It's up to you. So give us a call on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. Leave a message and I'll get back to you. If you haven't got a phone, you can always write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. That's right. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. And you can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com. This was an Anarchist Mid Institute initiative almost four years ago. It is one of the uh, more successful things we've been involved in. It would be a pity to see the uh, office close down, but we do need new members and we need them relatively urgent. Now, if you want, if you're interested in going to the concert or the uh, program to um, commemorate the Biak Massacre, um, if you go to FRWP Women's Office at gmail.com. F- so, Federal Republic West Pipe or Women's Office at gmail.com. Well, you can ring on 0420 $15 includes dinner. You won't get a better. Uh, I don't think you won't get a. You won't get a better. Uh, Value. Okay, let's move on. So that's the money bit, okay? Now, we're also in the process, public interest before corporate interest. We're doing a major mail-out. Yes, we do a mail-out once a year. We usually find that it's much more effective than uh, emailing people, and obviously about 30% of our members aren't interested in the World Wide Web. So we do do a mail-out once a year, send them lots of goodies. We need some dollar stamps. So if you can help, I know this is tedious, but... To be an activist, you do need a little bit of uh, money. To be an activist, you know. So if you've got some dollar stamps hidden away somewhere, put them in an envelope, write Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052, Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052, and post them in. We hope to have the mail out uh, finished by the last week in July, but uh, with over 800 members, that's $800 just to do a mail-out. So uh, you got spare stamps, put them in an envelope, send them to Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. If you wonder if what anarchy is all about, no, it's not about money begging, which unfortunately it seems to be sometimes. But anarchist society is a voluntary, non-hierarchical society based on the creation of political and social structures which are based on equal decision-making. It's a society where wealth is held in common and used for the common good. Now, I'm very interested in looking at class in Australian society, class in 21st century Australia, not 19th century class analysis, 18th century class analysis, 20th century class analysis. Now, these are my ideas. You may find them stupid. You may find them naive. You may find them enlightening. But I think we need to understand what's happening because all around us we hear the word class war. Now, because the Labor Party, or sections of the Labor Party, let's get this right, because sections of the Labor Party are making noises about a little bit of equality and a little bit of fairness, it seems that shit has hit the fan all over this country. I mean, Mr Bill Shorten, the leader of the opposition, said, you know, yesterday or the day before, who knows when, 
the Labor Party may repeal. We'll look at repealing company uh, tax cuts to businesses with turnovers of 10 to $50 million a year. Now, that would affect about 20,000 businesses in this country. And the world has come to an end. The world, as we know it, has come to an end. The gods have, you know, spread pestilence and floods and fires and earthquakes across the land. Just an extraordinary response. This is what happens every time in this country. Somebody, somebody makes, in a position of minimal authority, makes a comment about reintroducing a little bit of equality back into the country. Whoa! On the same day that this crap came out, the Senate, and let's not forget the crossbenchers, those 11 cross... Was it 9 or 11? I can't remember. Crossbench senators are just a bunch of conservative, reactionary garbage. And my apologies to garbage. Because... On every major social issue, they have given the Liberal National Party the numbers. How could anybody justify passing a tax package that charges the same rate of tax for somebody earning $40,000 a year and somebody earning $200,000 a year? How could anybody justify ripping out $160 billion over the next few years from the government's income stream, and that means rapidly diminishing services in the health, public health, public education, public infrastructure, social security support. No debate about that, was there? It was all about the fact that companies between... 10 and $15 million may lose a little bit of company tax they were promised relief. Extraordinary. How about yesterday, the Senate, these same crossbenchers, these same men and women, you know, who pretend, like old President Groper of the US of A, who pretend they're of the working classes, passed legislation which reduced the amount of income a graduate can earn from $54,000 a year to $45,000 a year, which is almost less than the minimum wage, before they start repaying their hex debt. The crossbenchers, tick, 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 tick. Every one of these crossbenchers, every one of these crossbenchers who has been elected on a ticket of providing some type of radical alternative to the major parties has turned out to be an apologist from the major parties. Extraordinary. Just extraordinary. So in order to understand what's happening, when the Prime Minister gets up and says, I am aspirational. We aspire. We want all Australians to aspire. Aspire to what, you fool? Aspire to what? Aspire to making more money? Aspire to stigmatising people who receive Social Security benefits? Aspire to dehumanising and marginalising asylum seekers in this country. 
aspire to denigrate people who receive a new start allowance, aspire to accumulate wealth at the expense of the rest of the community, aspire not to pay taxes legally. His aspirational class makes me sick. It sickens me to the pit of my stomach to hear this type of drivel, this type of garbage being peddled by the corporate-owned media, so-called social media, the legacy media, the government guild at ABC, that somehow this is the essence of being a citizen in this country. We aspire to accumulate personal wealth at the expense of the rest of the community. Little individual islands surrounded by intellectual, physical fences, stroking ourselves every night, saying what good boys and girls we are, because we've aspired to despise the people around us who don't have as many gadgets as we have. So we need to understand what class is in 21st century Australia. So bear with me on the anarchist world this week. Bear with me. Because if we understand, we can then fight back. Because there is no fight back. There is no fight back. It doesn't exist. It's a figment of our imagination. Occasionally people win some type of social issue. Occasionally. Marriage equality. A little bit another step forward in the steps towards reconciliation while you take ten steps back. More women on boards. Wow. As if this is some revolutionary practice. A royal commission into the banking and financial sector which was truncated, destroyed before it was actually established. If it was a... If it was a... It was stillborn, not given the resources, the time. Five days to look at what's happening to the farming sector. Not corporate farms. They enjoy little farms going out of business. That's their thing. So class in 21st century society. I mean, you can divide Australian history into four distinct periods. You've got pre-colonisation, colonisation, what I call an egalitarian period and a postmodern counter-revolutionary period which we are living through today. Now class has played a pivotal role in Australian society since the colonisation process began in 1788. Let's not forget our history. Let's not forget where we came from. If we know where we came from, we can analyse the present and change the future. Pre-colonisation period, 60,000 years. During the 60,000-year-plus pre-colonisation phase, over 200 independent First Peoples nations were created, formed, developed, on the Australian mainland 
and many of the islands surrounding the Australian mainland. These communities had their own distinct laws, cultures, languages, spiritual beliefs and lived within well-defined geographical boundaries. Complex trading routes were established across the continent and between the islands and processes were put in place that regulated movements between these communities. Hereditary class divisions based on the accumulation of personal wealth played a minimal role in Aboriginal communities and a more prominent role in the Melanesian First Peoples nations that evolved in the Torres Strait. Simple. Colonisation. And the colonisation period can be divided between 1788 to 1854. And this colonisation period has a profound impact on who we are and what we do today. Although many European explorers and non-European explorers and adventurers had set foot on Australian soil since the Dutch sea captain, Willem Jantz, first landed at Wenlock River, Queensland in 1606, no serious attempts were made to colonise Australia until Captain Arthur Phillip established a penal colony in New South Wales on behalf of the British Crown in 1788. Within six decades, that's 60 years, of the British penal colony being established at Port Phillip Bay, the Indigenous population in Australia had been reduced from well over a million to less than 50,000. This drastic reduction in a population that lived sustainably with the land for over 60,000 years occurred as a direct result of the transportation of the British class system to Australia. The rigid hierarchical divisions which existed between officers, soldiers, bureaucrats and convicts created conditions that soon led to the open warfare between the indigenous population and the colonisers. The British ruling and entrepreneurial classes, that's right, entrepreneurs, began investing heavily in Australia, initially using three convict labour, a little bit like today. There's so much deregulation that people think they can actually hire people for $2 an hour. And then cheap ticket of leave and immigrant labour to create vast estates that were built on the brutal destruction of a people that had lived on this continent for almost 60,000 years. Very simple. You turn up, you see people, you kill them off, take over their lands. But do you share it with your brothers and sisters? No. You impose that rigid hierarchical class structure that existed in Britain, in England, directly in Australia. 
the squatters, aided and abetted by employees who in many cases had little choice but to comply with their master's wishes, became the dominant political force in the new colonies that were springing up across Australia. Even in those colonies like Victoria and South Australia, there were not penal settlements, ex-convicts, ticket-of-leave men and women, provided a cheap, docile labour force for the squatters as they attempted to wipe the Indigenous population from the face of the earth so they could enjoy the bounty of the lands of the people they had dispossessed and murdered to create profits for themselves and strengthen their stranglehold on the political processes that were evolving in the colonies. So from the very beginning, it was about class. It was about stealing other people's lands. It's about creating profits for investors, entrepreneurs from the British ruling classes and entrepreneurial classes. The egalitarian period, 1854 to 1975. Let's not forget that this period was a particularly violent, vicious, evil period. If you look at any of the historical documentation of the penal settlements and how they were run, it's an extraordinarily brutal, depressing picture. Two important events in Australian history bookend the egalitarian phase of Australia's development as a modern egalitarian community. The Eureka Rebellion in 1854 and the dismissal of the Whitlam Labor government on the 11th of November in 1975. On the 3rd of December 1854, the European class structure that had been replicated in Australia was turned on its head. Men and women from all corners of the world, many political refugees and asylum seekers from the failed 1848 revolutionary wave that swept across Europe, came together in Ballarat in Victoria to create a new world free of class divisions. The Eureka rebels believed they were born with inalienable rights and liberties that no government could take away from them. Their aspirations were totally different to the aspirations of Turnbull and his mealy-mouthed mob of supporters in Parliament, in the bureaucracy, in the media. Their aspirations were encapsulated in the Eureka Oath. We swear by the Southern Cross to stand truly by each other and fight to defend our rights and liberties. One of the most significant sentences uttered in human history. People of all colours, of all races, cultural backgrounds, national origins and religions took up arms to defend what they believed with inalienable rights they were born with. 
the Eureka Rebellion became the light on the hill that guided working class people in this country for the next 121 years. The struggle between capital and labour was initially fought in the streets, then in the workplace, through the creation of the trade union movement, and finally in Parliament, when the leader of the newly elected, newly formed Labour Party, John Christian Watson, briefly became Prime Minister in April 1904, three years after Federation, three years after independence was declared, we had a Prime Minister who was elected by the Labour movement. At the beginning of the 20th century, if you look at all historical records, Australia was a beacon of hope for working people around the world using a combination of both extra-parliamentary and parliamentary tactics, the trade union movement and the newly formed Labor Party made it their mission to ensure wealth flowed into the hands of working people. At the same time, the state was transformed from a vehicle of oppression that protected the interests of that small section of society that owns the means of production, exchange, distribution and communication to an instrument that was used to look after the needs of those who had been forced to be satisfied with the crumbs that were brushed off the employer's table. Wages grew, conditions improved, publicly owned enterprises provided essential services and education grew, mutual societies Providence societies were established to look after people. Collectivism was a guiding light. The Whitlam-led Labor government, elected in 1972, marked the high water level in the struggle to create an egalitarian community in Australia. Obviously, we fell short as a community on many, many fronts. The white Australia poly policy, the way Indigenous people were treated, the lack of rights of people with different sexual orientations, the ingrained sexism, but during that period, progress was made. Significant progress was made where people who were treated like disposable garbage became citizens who had rights, responsibility and a right to work and a right to share in the bounties of the Commonwealth of Australia. In four short years, the Whitlam Labor government, before it was illegally and unconstitutionally removed from power, passed more legislative reforms to benefit working people since all federal governments have done since Federation or have done since 1975. You're listening to a community radio station. That is a direct 
consequence of the Whitlam Labor government passing legislation to create a network of community-owned and community-run radio stations across this country, which is very important in the late in the mid 1970s to break the monopoly the old legacy print media television and radio had on the dissemination of ideas in this country no wonder 40 years plus after the dismissal of the whitlam led labor government corporate australia and the conservative lapdogs in the in the corporate owned media continue to, to refer to that period as the worst, or the Whitlam Labor government as the worst government since Federation. Of course it was the worst government since Federation for them. Because for the first time in history of this country, there was a government that was actually willing to legislate in order to make radical, fundamental changes to the way we lived and worked. The counter-revolution. And this is the period you and I have been living through over the last 43 years, the counter-revolution, 1975 to 2018. Since the dismissal of the Whitlam-led Labor government, Australians have lived through a period of rapid social, political, cultural change which has fundamentally and irreparably changed traditional ruling class and working class dynamics. Those people who tend to look at the world through a 19th century prism need to understand that we have moved on. The neoliberal-led deregulation, privatisation, corporatisation and globalisation counter-revolution that has swept Australia over the past four decades has succeeded in redefining class dynamics to such an extent, the corporate class, Australia's 21st century ruling class, exercises has much power has the squatters exercised over the ticket of leave men and women and convicts did. The new corporate owners, corporate owners of the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication have by usurping the power of Parliament, created a new 21st century bourgeoisie, the investment class. And that class transcends traditional class analysis. When only about 1% of Australians belong to the... Well, only about 1% of Australians belong to the new ruling class. That's the people who own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication, about 12% belong to the newly created investment class. The investment class, the aspirational voters, those who aspire to be part of this class, has been created through the passage of federal legislation that directly benefits Australians with disposable incomes. It's all about having money left over at the end of the working week, which you then you can invest and get a return from that investment. The new investment class straddles the traditional middle class 
and working class. Entry into the investment class is solely determined by disposable income or access to borrowed wealth. Anyone, whether a professional, a wage earner or retiree, who has access to excess funds can avail themselves of this country's generous superannuation and negative gearing laws and the ability to claim tax losses on money borrowed to invest in the stock market and on the ability to actually get a dividend and claim a tax deduction on taxes they haven't paid. Australia is the only country in the world where you can claim a tax deduction if you own more than one home but can't access your superannuation funds to buy your own home because you're expected to pay for your own retirement. In 21st century Australia, a wage earner who has no disposable income or a small business person who has no disposable income after meeting their living expenses has become the new convict changed to a hand-to-mouth existence financed by borrowed money. The new ball and chain in our lives. Borrowed money. Currently, nearly 70% of taxation revenue continues to come from pay-as-you-earn taxpayers. Corporate Australia in this country pays voluntary taxation. Well, we have this huge debate about decreasing corporate taxation. Let's not forget, on the average, most corporations pay less than 10% taxation on profits and some transnational corporations like Amazon, which is trying to get a foothold in this country, pay no taxation. Legally. Legally. Those at the bottom of the pile in the land of opportunity, in the land of a fair go, in the land of milk and honey, are the 33% of Australians who rely on social security benefits to survive. Those on new start allowances, old age pensions, disability support pensions or single parent benefits have to jump through an increasing number of onerous hoops to access the basic necessities of life. The neoliberal revolution, counter-revolution of the last 40 years, aided and abetted by the corporate-owned media and the destruction of an independent, government-funded Australian Broadcasting Corporation, has succeeded in ensuring that over 80% of Australians who rely on wages small business profits or social security benefits to survive will never be able to stop pulling the oars on the good ship of Australia while the one percenters, the corporate class and their Frankenstein creation, the investment class, continue to enjoy the views on the upper decks. It's not about the type of work you do anymore. You can have people with Great skills on minimal wages. It's not about the, how much education you have anymore where you find yourself in the class pecking order. It's not about the type of work you do. It's about whether you have disposable income. 
And if you have disposable income, if you're part of that investment class, everything is laid out on a plate for you. Negative gearing, dividend imputation, minimal taxation, and the list goes on and on and on and on. We have World War III when the leader of one political party says they may actually not knock back legislation regarding cutting corporate tax rates for companies that have a turnover between 10 to $50 billion. Where is the same reaction for the tens of thousands of people who have to survive on new start allowances? Where is the same reaction for the way asylum seekers in this country are churned through the system to generate profits for companies that basically, you know, feed off their misery. It's just not there. Because all we aspire to is to acquire more wealth and more gadgets, to be able to use investment-friendly taxation laws to improve our personal wealth at the expense of the rest of the community. We wouldn't need philanthropists if corporations paid their fair share of tax. We wouldn't need to see a new start allowance, which is almost a starvation wage, if the resources that were in the ground in this country were developed by this country or received royalties for every ounce that's taken out of the ground. But no... We give corporations huge tax breaks to invest so they can actually maximise their profits and return those profits overseas. And we are personally responsible. Each and every one of us are personally responsible for allowing this to occur in the last 40 years. Aspiration to acquire wealth, to buy gadgets we don't need, to exploit other people so to acquire more wealth is the light on the hill for many Australians today. It isn't the light on the hill isn't the same aspiration the Eureka rebels had in 1854 to stand truly by each other and fight to defend our rights and liberties. It's about aspiring to personally acquire wealth. That is the aspiration of 21st century Australia. That is the asp- that is the light on the hill for Mr Turnbull and his supporters out there in the community. And there are many, many who aspire to accumulate wealth irrespective of the cost to the people around them, irrespective of the way they exploit the labour and goodwill of those around them, irrespective. Is this what we aspire to? Is this what it is to be an Australian, to aspire to accumulate wealth at the expense of everybody else in our community? 
It's not about creating wealth. I've no problem. We've been involved in activities that create wealth. We need to create wealth. But what type of wealth? Once we satisfy our basic human needs, what is important? Accumulating more wealth? Hiring accountants? Giving money away? Setting up philanthropy? you know, philanthropic trusts? What is important? What makes us an Australian? Extraordinary situation we find ourselves in, in 21st century Australia. So four classes, very simple. The one one percenters, the corporate class. The one percent of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. Those that maximise profitability. In the last 40 years, every investment dollar that used to be invested, two-thirds would go to the people creating that wealth, the workers, one-third would go to the investors. 40 years later, two-thirds goes to the investors, one-third goes to the people who create that wealth. That's why we have no wage growth. That's why trade unions have been destroyed. That's why legislation has been passed that makes removing your labour a criminal act. Then we have the 10% of Australians, 10 to 12%, who part of the investment class. They can be anybody. They can be a tradesperson. They can be somebody who's gambling on the stock market. They could be somebody, uh, you know, a bureaucrat, a parliamentarian with three or four homes, negatively geared. And the key to being part of the investment class is not what you do. It's not the amount of education you have. It's the ability to have disposable income at the end of the week and the ability to invest that disposable income in activities which are bankrolled by the taxpayer, like negative gearing, dividend imputation, corporate welfare, and the list goes on and on. So you've got the one percenters, the investment class, then you have 50 to 60% of the population who make up the bulk of Australian society. Workers, whether they're self-employed, in micro-businesses, or businesses that employ a few people, whether they work for wages, whether it's casual, whether it's permanent, whether it's part-time, People who do the right thing, earn a buck, pay their taxes, obey the laws, the losers, the working class. People who are chained by money they've needed to borrow in order to provide the basic necessities for themselves and the people they're responsible for. People who are taken for granted People who think that somehow it's the other, the person of a different colour or a different race or the asylum seeker, who poses a threat to them, not the investment class and the one percenters. Here we are, the wage earner, fighting amongst themselves, allowing investment class and the one percenters to get away with blue murder. And then... 
we have an underclass of people, a group of people that live below the poverty line. One in three Australians, especially those who don't own their own homes, who rely on social security benefits to survive. 33%. Old age pensions, disability support pensions, new start allowance, single parents beneficiaries. These are the people that have been in the firing line in the last 40 years. These are the people who have been marginalised, pushed aside, ignored, expected to survive as best they can. And we wonder why there's so much personal violence, so much despair, so much depression, so much repressed anger in our community. We wonder. And the social elevator, which was education, which allowed people to travel up and down the class escalator, was dismantled long ago. As we see more and more public money given, given away to private education. So what are you going to do? What am I going to do? I'm one person. I can't do much. I can talk. We can organise. But if we don't get support, things won't change. Not just what we're advocating, but other people. There are many, many other people who talk the same language, but most don't organise. A few little activities you may be interested in. Public housing. Secure, safe housing is a fundamental building block for any egalitarian community. And when housing became an investor's dream in this country, it's time that the public sector expanded. It's time that public housing expanded dramatically. Because once you've got secure, safe public housing at a reasonable rental, you have more disposable income and a greater chance to participate in every aspect of life in this country. So our campaign to promote public housing through defend and extend public housing through public interest before corporate interest has been a failure. We've had some minor victories, forcing governments to change tack on their policies to privatise public housing, especially in the state of Victoria. But we really haven't had a major impact. Both major political parties see public housing as something which is irrelevant. And for now, for almost a year and a half, we've been having monthly rallies with diminishing numbers on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House to raise this issue. And if an election coming up on the 24th of November in the state of Victoria, we want to put public housing fore and centre of the political debate using the slogan, 
use stamp duty revenue, revenue, $6 billion plus per year in Victoria for public housing, house 1 million. That's right, 1 million Victorians by 2029. You could wipe out the 82,000 public housing waiting list in one year by spot purchasing properties around this country, around the state of Victoria by using that $6 billion. Bang. Finished. And then you'd expand the system to people who will never be able to have the security of owning their own home in their lives because of the minimal wages they receive. So you can join us on the 25th of July. That's the next parliamentary sitting day, midday. But more importantly, put this in your diary. Go to our Facebook page, Public Housing Everybody's Business. From the 14th of November, that's Wednesday the 14th of November, midday, to midnight, Wednesday the 21st of November, we will be camped on the steps of the Victorian Parliament Houses to ensure that public housing becomes a significant issue in the Victorian state election. We will be there for 10 days. Hail, rain, shine, police, security, it doesn't matter. This is an issue that affects all Victorians. It's everybody's business. A strong public housing sector means decreased rents, decreased housing prices at the lower end of the market. So you can join us. Put that date aside. Come down. You don't have to... It doesn't cost you anything. Well, it does cost you 10 days. But because if this does not become an issue, public housing is finished in Victoria. The struggle is finished. It will be privatised by the end of the next parliament in 2022. You can join public interest before corporate interests. For over three years, we've been struggling to get 500 members on the electoral roll to join a new political party that is both involved in parliamentary and extra-parliamentary activity. Three years. Can't even get 500 members on the electoral roll. We've got about 360 currently. Can't register as a federal political party. A democratically based party. Public interest before corporate interests. Download the application form. www.pibci.net Go to membership.htm Give us a ring. I'll send you out some application forms. Simple. No cost in joining. There are things you can do. Join the West Parkland Rent Collective. Join us for the Peter Norman celebrations on the 16th of October, the Unitarian Peace Memorial Church in Melbourne. We do what we can. We can't do much without your support. Think about it. You can listen to me for the next few years before I drop off my perch or you can become active. You don't like what we're doing? You organise your own organisations, own activities. We need to put direct pressure. Social media, waste of time. Look at what happened to the Arab Spring. 
They can get people out in the street for one day or two days or three, but when it comes to a social, political movement, we need feet on the ground. Not fingers on a button, but feet on the ground. That is the only way that people have created change in our society. That is the only way that change has been has been created, through feet on the ground. You look at every radical reformist movement in the history of this planet and it's about feet on the ground. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3CR .org.au That's 3cr.org.au The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au You can leave messages on 0439 395 489 0439 395 489 You can write to Post Office Box 20 Parkville 3052 Post Office Box 20 Parkville 3052 you can email us at anarchistage at yahoo.com, anarchistage at yahoo.com. You can join the West Papuan Rent Collective. Give us a call or email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com or write to Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Look at the Facebook page, Defend and Extend Public Housing. The dinners, yes, they're back on the agenda, hopefully in about two weeks. I'll tell you more about that next week. And thank you to all those people who donated to the 3CR radio fund. We need another 1000 or $2 for the Anarchist World this week. Ring now, 039 419 8377. Make your donations tax deductible. Remember, the aspirational voters get their tax deduction by donating to their personal, uh, friendly, you know, uh, political parties, why don't you donate to Community Radio 3CR? It's nearly the end of the financial year. You've got a tax problem, solve it. You don't need an accountant. Just make it a donation to Community Radio 3CR, 039 Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. This program is podcast. Go to 3 cr .org.au That's 3cr.org.au Listen in next week to the Anarchist World This Week on the Community Radio Network. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week. Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse, 10am every Wednesday. Listen to The Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.